welcome to episode 94 of the iDeveloper podcast. John, how are you? There are 94 different ways I could say I love you, Scotty, but there's no way of saying it so much as just doing these shows. There we are. Actually, the fact that we are prepared to put up with each other for however long each week shows our <laughs> undying love. Um, did you notice in the edited version of last week's show that there was no introduction from me? I did not notice it because uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. When I looked to try and find it, I didn't see it in the in the feed on iTunes. I was sad, so I thought that maybe you were abandoning me and that you decided to, you know, just, I don't know, record something else. It's like, like, it's like being told to go to a party and no one's there. Oh, no, no, the show's on the feed. It's there. You obviously, okay. It took me a couple of days because I got uh, distracted. But I did, when uh, doing our editing, look back and uh, realise that um, I'd welcome people to episode 93 in... Um, was it 1st of November or the 31st of October 2014? Mm-hmm. So I was a year ahead of myself. Oh, well, that's good. Well, it's nice to be forward thinking. It's right. Well, I understand that um, if you were to uh, get on an aeroplane and go down under now, John, people will be ripping your clothes off as a, a new sex symbol in Superstar. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's, it was kind of fun. So last week, Findery was uh, in some like four minute segment on the Australian national news. Um, and that kind of helps boost your 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 operating. I mean, it's 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 been fun to to watch this game play out. I mean, it, and it boy is it a game. You sit there and you look at the numbers and you track everything, but you know, uh, ultimately, only thing that really matters is 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 divining what people think of your app by how they use it. And I'm I am forever reminded of the 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 talk that you gave on on building community and how incredibly important that is. Um, that you have to give all this love to people and, and watch how they actually use your app versus how you imagine they'll do it. But now you're another week into your launch. I mean, is it still, uh, is it doing what you wanted it to do? Are you beginning to sort of um, get the bug reports in? Are you sort of uh, having yes, the one-star reviews that you're having to deal with and all that sort of stuff? No, no, no. I mean, so far, I mean, it's, it's slow to trickle in. I mean, people... We didn't. We haven't done anything that prompts people to do reviews. I'm actually gonna to to take that idea I learned at Objective CGN. Somebody says that you know you should put a you shouldn't prompt for people just to to give you a review. You should prompt to ask how it's going, and they either are kind of happy, in which case you can then ask them for a review, or they're unhappy, and you can propose that they give you feedback. So we haven't put that in our app yet. Um, I mean, we we have nice reviews on there, but those are our friends and family reviews. I mean, those are people who have been using it or predisposed. We haven't seen any kind of raw people. Um, but although we are seeing content produced for it, and that's that's where it's kind of interesting, and and it, you know, there's the Google Analytics stuff. I mean, you know, we 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 put all these kind of markers in the app, but it takes a long time to kind of figure out um, a flow that you're trying to to create as a goal, right? So, I mean, the, the 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 very easiest, simplest, dumb thing that you do is basically for every important method in in a. In, in, a, in a controller, then you just basically log that, but you have to put them together in some logical sequence, and that takes longer. Um, and you kind of have to see how things are going in the field to try and figure <clears> out um, what constitutes a, a good kind of active flow. But I, the, the, the more interesting thing is, is you know, once people start using the app and you look at what they're creating with it, then then you have to, then it becomes abundantly clear what, what actions take too much effort for, for for people to be bothered and you can see that you know data doesn't lie so my gosh if uh, if i wasn't enthusiastic enough about about this approach of of giving yourself time with actual users in a controlled environment i can't imagine doing it any other way i don't see how you can possibly get the feedback you need without doing this what i find interesting is i mean you're 
you know, the process is the same no matter who you are. I mean, yep. you guys, yeah, you, you're not a huge megacorp, but you have reasonable yep. financial backing. You're, you're not like trying yep. to do this on $4 or anything. No. Um, and yet your process you have to go through is exactly the same as anybody else. I, I guess where yep. the money becomes might come in useful is the fact that you can afford for it to take a little bit longer maybe than the person who just needs to get that income out of it tomorrow but yeah. we all and it but it makes the the app thing such a level playing field really it does and here speaking of that and that's kind of interesting so somebody linked to me at work a, an article about how lady gaga used social media and 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 i i've said this before it's like you know being an indie anything or even you know trying to break anything whether it's a, a recording artist or, or you know an app or anything it's all the same about building an audience and you can certainly learn techniques from 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 other people and i i actually will include this in the show notes it, it talks about how you know at the time when nobody was interested in club music because it was considered to have been played out that's what she played that's what she liked and so they they were trying to figure out how to build up the audience and they actually pushed off the release of of her first album by several months because they knew they said they knew it would take that amount of time to build up the core audiences and so you basically put some product out there you look to see who likes it and then you basically you have to give lots of love to the people who like it and see if you can find another subgroup of it because they're the ones who are going to support you and and they take ownership in your success and that was the thing i found so interesting that you know unless your app or your your product absolutely sucks and well that's that's a bigger problem but assuming it doesn't suck it completely you're going to find somebody who does like it and then you know you have to invest heavily in them and they will in turn become invested in, in the product and service and they will want to help it see it succeed but that just simply takes time so it's no point in trying trying to put a bunch of muscle behind a big launch at whatever scale that is until you've done that hard work no different from a touring band. You tour uh, on a record for months and months and months and months and months before you're lucky enough to get some airplay. And then then when you do get airplay, that's when all of a sudden you become the overnight success. But that's an interesting thing. I mean, this is totally off topic for us, really. But, um, you know, in the music industry, you used to tour to promote your you know, your recordings, which is where you made your money, whereas now the money is in the touring and the recordings yeah, exactly. are and the so that people yeah, want yeah. to come and see you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, since, it, since you know, the founder of, the, uh, of, of Findery was the, the co-founder of Flickr, and one of the ways that Flickr grew is that they had these meetups because, in the end, what Flickr was really about was community. That the people who, yes, they were photographers, so they, were, they were interested in the art and craft of photography, but in reality, they were just interested in various topics. So, you know, if somebody was fascinated by nature photography, they used Flickr to find other people who were fascinated by nature photography, and they would have meetups where people would meet face-to-face. -face. So uh, we were actually kind of thrilled because there was the the, the kind of an actual uh findery meetup that took place in tokyo some people who are avid users in australia and, and 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 tokyo and the guy from tokyo was actually grew up in in, in northern california so it was, it was just it was heartwarming to see that that people that that you had some hand in bringing together meeting in real life and really enjoying each other's company so that was kind of cool well you did well, you just mentioned community there again, John. And uh, back in September, we, um, I mean, you did part of community. We went to uh, Objective Cologne, and uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, stuff has got all the videos out from that now, and and, and they're available. And, and I think you mentioned um, 
uh, a session just now in, in some of the advice and in tips. So oh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the videos. Uh, yep. We both spoke there. Um, but is there anything that you can remember that, that sort of stands out that you want to sort of just point people to? Yeah, well, I mean, the, 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 the talk that you gave on community, I thought was incredibly important because it, for good and bad, for good reasons, because they're your audience, just like what I was saying, but then for to help you in the bad, because you will have problems. There's no doubt about it. If there's anybody who's listening to this who's like has not launched a product before, you know, it, it, everybody thinks that it's a binary thing, that either it's a complete success or it's an utter failure with crickets. The reality is, is that it's a long slog from, you know, between the two. And during that time, you will have problems. Your app will have bugs. And especially in the case you release an app on the App Store and there'll be some some critical problem. And then your app is stuck there on the store for, for a period of time before you can get an update. And that's when, you know, the fact that you either do or do not have a community, you know, built up around your product will 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 make all the difference in the long-term success of your product. And you design people, make software for for human beings and and it's very easy to forget that as you get, you know, tied up and looking at sales reports on iTunes Connect or and looking at this and that data feed. In the end, people use your software because they're human beings, and uh, you have to learn how to, to to treat people as human beings and put human beings who like your software in contact with other ones, and you'll be amazed at what good things can happen. So. I think I think if nothing else, you know, Scotty's Scotty's for those listening to you, you know, Scotty's keynote was was fantastic on that. Worth the price of admission alone. Thank you, John. You are you are. I, I don't know. Our love is just undying. Um, I think <laughs> I mean, there were some good sessions at the conference and, and I don't think there were any bad sessions at all. But to me, it's like every conference, including my own conference and his conference. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the content was great. And I do encourage people to go and take a look at the videos and. Um, they're not expensive, so you could just buy the whole lot in order to support stuff and, and keeping the whole things going as well. Um, but you know, the real value in these things is spending a couple of days with other developers. It, it's the you know the chats over coffee, the chats over beer, yep. the chats over wine, the chats over tapas, the chats over whatever it is that, that which is where you get the real value from from these things. So I just want to encourage people, you know, put it on your agenda for the next twelve months, wherever you are in the world, find a conference. It really yep. doesn't matter as long as there are people there. Whether the talks are ones that exactly fit you or not, doesn't really matter. Just go, spend a few days with people, and you know you will not regret it. I assure you. But avoid the tap ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well maybe we're there. Right, John. I think it's uh, time to give shout out to uh, our show sponsor again today, uh, Invasive Code. Now, since uh, we spoke last week, and I said they've sold out everything, they've added another course for uh, January the tenth, uh, two thousand and fourteen. Oh, I cannot believe we're already talking about two thousand and fourteen, but there we are. Um, at the Invasive Code HQ, San Francisco, California. This oh, is their yeah. um, oh, iOS yeah. seven intensive training. Um, course, uh, five day course, uh, or you can just do the first three days as a beginner. And, um, you know, maybe your head stuffed by then, or you can carry on do the whole five days and, and get the lot. Now they've um, got an early bird discount on, uh, so if you actually book the course before the end of November, it looks like it's about five hundred dollars cheaper than if you leave it till December. So I suggest if you've been thinking about getting some ios training and you're living in the u.s or you fancy a trip to the u.s um then go check out invasive code um we say every time about the course but you might be listening for the first time you know it's uh you get the manuals you get seven hours in the 
um, in the classroom. You get lab time in the evening with the instructor. Um, there's only ever 10 people maximum on the course. There's free tech support for life afterwards. Uh, there's project mentoring afterwards. Just you, you need to go read the website and, and get it down there. Run by a really nice group of people, very genuine, very knowledgeable, very honest and, and very friendly. Um, we like them. They've become... Uh, friends as much as is is work colleagues and sponsors um, i think we can genuinely say that and um, yep. so please go check them out at invasivecode.com training and they do consulting and a bunch of other things so just go check out invasivecode.com and uh, show them a little of, little bit of i developer love and thanks invasive code for all your support over uh, what's been a long time now and um for keep sponsoring the show thank you well john i said last week we would talk about cocoa pods um and i'm holding your feet to the fire do you hear that 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 crackling sound in the background you in the listening audience it's that's scotty's feet it's me screaming now okay <laughs> i'm I'm gonna start straight away and say that my experience with coco pods is um not huge okay uh but what i have used of coco pods uh let me say it seems well structured it seems well designed um it's been put together well the documentation is a little lacking, but that's that's true of most open source projects. Finding people to do your documentation is almost always the hardest bit. Um, but uh, but there you are. Now, if you don't know what Cocoa Pods is, it's um, a dependency manager for Objective C libraries. So if if people who've stuck a whole bunch of open source libraries out there, um, let, let's take an example. Uh, you might write a, a library and it has a dependency on another library. Now, in the past, you would have to write that down in your README or whatever else, and um, then whoever came to GitHub or wherever you were hosting your code would download it. Then they'd have to go download the other library, and that library might have a dependency and download another library. And through uh, the CocoaPod system, it's a way of putting together... Um, you can create a pod for your library which lists other pods that it's dependent on so this is reliant on people embracing the cocoa pod infrastructure um and so when you add this pod to your project um it will automatically add uh, all of the other um pods that it requires at the same time and do version dependency and you can make it have to use a, above a certain version of this or lower than a version or an exact version and, and all that sort of thing and, and that all seems to work really really well and i have to say the um objective c community seems to have really embraced cocoa pods uh if you've come from the ruby world um in any way at all then this is really uh the objective c equivalent of a gem a, a ruby gem uh and this is where my problem comes in um Okay, so I, I'm not arguing with it technically. I'm not arguing with what it what it can actually do. And I think if you're using open source um, projects uh, or anything like that, then you know, actually it has some real value and can make uh, working um, a lot easier uh, in many ways. And, and that's all great. Uh, my problem is... My first experience of something like this was when I was doing Ruby work, um, which was only ever for myself, doing my own websites or, or stuff like this. And, you know, the, the gem system, you would read an article on how to do something and say, well, just get this gem, it does this. You know, it might be like saying grab AF networking because it does networking or whatever else. And so you go grab that gem and it would install seven other gems at the same time because it had dependencies on them. And, it, and people, because it became simple, had no worries about dependencies and, and you could go to install one small piece of code and end up with you know 
30 things in your project that you had no idea what they were. And the habit I very quickly got into until I realized um, uh, that I really didn't like it was I, I would be immediately almost going out and searching for gems that did what I want. They'd be throwing all this code into my project. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea if this code was efficient, inefficient, had memory leaks. That's Ruby, but you know what I mean. It'd be the same. Yeah. The Jet to C um, was doing good things or bad things, whether it was well written or badly written. Now, I know I'm not an anti-open source person. I'm not one of these people who says never put somebody else's code in yours. But there is just something about having to go to GitHub and look at a project that almost forces you to go in and, I don't know about you, John, but I'll go and have a look at the code and I'll go and see. And sometimes I might think, well, I just don't quite like the look of that or it's got a smell that I, that's just not my, my type of smell. I'm not saying it's bad, it's just not my type of smell. Whereas as soon as you get into all this stuff being put in for you, I don't know, it just feels like we're going to get a lot of, you know, there's a whole bunch of Ruby on Rails sites out there that are just really slow, really crufty, unscalable and all this sort of thing because they're just made up of gem after gem after gem and and that just frightens me for the objective c world does does that make sense what my problem is it does i mean and it is something very much of 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 the rails and web world where where I, this may be a controversial thing to do to say but the web is kind of by its very nature you can you can change it very very carefully and you can you know <laughs> And 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 you can deploy multiple multiple times per day. You can't do that with compiled code. You know, even if you don't have an app store thing to do it, you are freeze drying something. And so I think that there's a certain amount of discipline that is that becomes part of the process of of, of writing compiled native apps for for desktop or or devices. Um, and 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 I, I agree with your assessment of 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 CocoaPods. I mean, it, it is a nice convenience for it. Um, but I. I myself kind of I don't necessarily see that the existence of, of cocoa pods makes makes this problem any any worse than the existence of, of of Stack Overflow. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You say I need to solve this problem, and you say, okay, well, how can I do it? And then the lazy way is just taking the the first green checkbox code, cut, copying and pasting, and putting it in there. I mean, it's it, it is slightly different, but it's of the same mindset and. You have, you know, my feeling is is that you, it's hard to ship an app that is is fully polished if you do have to spend all your time, you know, writing every last bit of it. I mean, there are certain types of foundational things, or even kind of something very, very kind of tight fit to purpose, where a problem is being solved that lots of people have. And I think there's nothing wrong in 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 going out and doing that, but you have to. It, it, you have to have the discipline to, to, to be able to say, you know, to, to, to take the time to prove the code and understand what it's doing. And, and then you're right, kind of saying if it doesn't smell right, don't put it in there. Either keep looking and, and, and look for a project that is standing the test of time or, you know, take advantage of the fact that somebody, even if the code sucks, it might should it, it will surely give you some clue about how to do it the right way and then do it yourself. But what you're describing is, is kind of a laziness thing. And I'm not so certain that, that, that the existence of, of any technology, you know, is, is the, is the root cause. No, no, I, I mean, chicken okay, and egg I, thing, yeah, I, yeah I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not against Cocoa Pods in any way at all. And I think the guys who are working on Cocoa Pods are doing a great job and 
um, I think you know, a dependency manager is a great tool, and um, you know, I'm not even saying I'm not going to use it. Um, I inherited a project in the last couple of weeks that's half using Cocoa Pods and half using, um, you know, just code embedded or sub modules or, or uh, from GitHub or whatever, and, and I'm sort of having a look and trying to make some decisions. Um, and again, it, it's like anything; you have to be careful. There were lots of people when the first sort of visual. Um, UI designers like uh, Interface Builder or Visual Studio, as it was on, on, on Windows, came along that just, you know, said, oh, this is just going to make people create crap UIs because you can just drag stuff here and there. And it's true. There, it, it did make it easy for people to create crap UIs, but it also made it easier, easier for people to create good UIs. And, and, and I think this is the same thing. The tool itself is not the problem. I'm guessing my fear is... It's the the lazy stack over exactly. I think you've summed up. It's the lazy stack overflow type attitude that it could create to third um, to open source third party code. And the reality is, and and I hate to say this, most open source code out there is a pile of crap. Um, mm. It's you know, I mean, we sit here and we and we um, talk over should we be using some of these bigger, more popular frameworks like AF networking, and lots of people create lots of arguments. But regardless of what you think of them, the people writing those are putting care and attention and um, level of skill and um, organization into them. Whereas most code is someone writes something and slaps it up there. And, you know, it's great that they have the the art to share, but it's something they wrote in 30 minutes to solve their own problem. And most times when we solve the problem for the first time, we get it wrong or we do it badly or it's inefficient. But that code stays there forever and people start downloading it and using it all over the place. So, you know, you're really... You know, because someone's put it on GitHub doesn't mean it's any good. <laughs> that's exactly it. And I would say this. I mean, that's an interesting point you say about about having heart. I mean, it's, uh, that's not discourage people who are just getting started. Just just be, be just be very clear in in a readme file that you know that that you're putting it here on the off chance that it helps somebody, but that you are you know you don't warrant that this is you know the be all end way of be all end all way of doing something and in fact if if it's not the fact that you kind of framed it that way and we're very upfront increases the chance that somebody who's far more experienced will come by and say hey you know here's how you can do it better and and then you become better yourself but thinking about this is you know it reminds me in some ways about about the art of photography you know when you had to take a picture and then you would wait a week for to, to get your prints back to find out that half of them were blurry and two of them were shaky but one of them was good and and, and it took a long long time and you had to think very very carefully and it's kind of the same thing with with code i mean you started this whole podcast because you were you were interested in developing for 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 coco and there just weren't that many resources and so you really had to struggle i mean i remember how much i struggled to to get what what you know, looking back now, it seems and, and and in fact is the simplest of things. But there's a certain amount of discipline of having to to to, to gut it out, to have to actually stick through and, and try and make something work, even though you know in the back of your mind, it's like I know that there's code out here that will do this, and, and and this is a problem solved. But if you don't solve at least some problems yourself, it start to finish without you know without without help, you're you're never really going to grow as a, as a as a software developer. So you're you're shortchanging yourself by 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 taking these absolute shortcuts. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, let's let's take something that's fairly um, you know topical at the moment. Yeah, the new Mac Pro. You know, it's mm. it's you know assembled in the USA, isn't it? Or was it assembled? Or was it totally yeah. manufactured? 
I think that the, the what they're saying is that the whole body of stuff, the the, the, yeah. the case itself, is made in that manufacturing plant, and then the components are put together. But yes, the, yeah. Well, okay. The, let, let's say something that is assembled in the USA. I can't remember if the Mac Pro is or isn't. You know, there is there is a skill. You know, don't get me wrong. There is a skill in assembling a piece of technology, but it's a a very different skill to maybe manufacturing the pieces that you're assembling, and a different skill mm-hmm. again to designing. Um, the the pieces that then get manufactured and in the software development process you know we are playing all of those parts we are playing you know the designer of the technology the manufacturer of the technology and the assembler of the technology and the danger is with stack overflow and uh you know uh the open source and it getting even easier through something like CocoCod. Coco Cods, <laughs> some sort of fish, <laughs> la fish, fish dependency library. <laughs> Coco Pods is um, uh, is that you know we begin to get this impression that software development is simply a matter of assembling bits that already exist, and and we will become a worse off industry if that becomes the norm. Yeah. Well, I'll say this one last thing. I think at some point, everybody who develops software is is scratching some type of itch. They have something that they could have imagined. I don't, I don't really think that's like my job. I, I, I dream of, of just slapping pieces together. I think that everybody has something in mind that they want to put together, and they're trying to do it as quickly as possible. At some point, you will discover what it is that you really love. I mean, it could be, for instance, you really love setting type and, and, and how to make that as gorgeous. Or you really love making animation or you really love doing 3D scenes and, and, and figuring all that work or you love 2D graphics and being as quickly as possible or you love you know, text analysis. Whatever it is that, that, that it is that you discover you love the most, you better make sure that you spend enough time learning how to to start to finish, solve some, some nar- you know, gnarly problem and and because that will give you the skills to 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 work through and then it becomes kind of you know more reasonable i think to for the stuff that's peripheral just learn how to to judge good from bad in it and then be very careful and 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 how you assemble things then you will become a good developer i believe well that's cool john you got anything else for us today or or, are we done I think we're done. We're going to keep this short and sweet. We are. Okay, that's that's great. I'm I'm just going to give a shout out to uh the I developer blog. I'm yeah, you, as most people know, I used to produce video and I sell, sold it and made a living out of it. Um I stopped doing that a few months ago. I've been talking to um I've got a whole bunch of stuff I'm trying to sort out for people who had accounts and all that which is still going on. But I've been talking to the people who mostly made the video with me and, um, you know, very much they're community minded. So just slowly, the ones that are still relevant, I'm just releasing for free on the blog. So, so far, I've released my blocks course. That was easy because it was just me. Um, And today we've released the iOS, um, the auto layout in iOS 6. Yeah, these courses are a little old now, but the principles are all still true. So if you still haven't looked at auto layout, so just go check out the um, iDeveloper blog. Um, There'll be more coming along. Um, over the next week or two as and when I get time. John, it's been a real pleasure um, chatting with you again this week. Just tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And if you want to find out about the product I made, Memory Miner, you can go to memoryminer.com. If you want to find out what I've been working on for the last almost year, it's Findery. Go to findery.com. If you're in Australia, you can go to the App Store and check it out coming soon to the rest of the world at the beginning of next year. Lovely. 
And uh, I realised, John, we never got round to talking to about uh, my adventures in Android, but uh, we'll save that for next week when I've got... We'll even, save that for next year. When I've got even less, I mean, less hair. Um, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can find me on app.net as Scotty. Uh, check out iDeveloper.co um, for the blog and for the show notes to go with this show. And thanks for listening. And until next time, you all take care. <laughs> We'll be right back.